Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Come on. Good morning. Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Good morning, Lighthouse Church. Y'all look good. You may be seated. Have a seat. My God, that worship was oily. That's what you say. When it's really good, you just like, my God, that worship was oily. I was up here in the front. Come on, give it up for the worship team. Jimmy, that's my brother. Liz, love y'all. Before I get started, it's always key that I give honor where honor's due. And I want to honor your pastors, the spiritual mother and father of this house, Pastor Josh and Pastor Joanna. Come on, can we give them a round of applause? You guys have something amazing. First thing I said to so I said, y'all got the best tent set up I've ever preached in. Like, you have some stuff you're like, Lord, be a fence around me as I preach. But um, I'm honored to be able to be here. Thank you. When I say we, um, obviously, I brought my family with me. Uh, I, listen, I've never been so close. Like, I'm probably like 98% sure, not sure, Blacksican. So I'm so close to Mexico. Orale pues, like serio, like for real. My wife is my fajita booty. She's my Latina. And... Uh, and honestly, man, Rosetta Stone's been working good for your boy. But I got two kids, Jaden and Amaya, they're blessing. She had some bad food, so y'all pray for my daughter. She's weathering the storm right now, but I'm here. And uh, I got an amazing young man with me. Ladies, if you are single, he loves the Lord. I'm throwing another play, and he dresses well. Hello. And the church says amen. And he smells good. So... But when I say we, uh, it's not just me. I stand here carrying the shoulder and the mantle of my pastor, my spiritual father, Pastor Obed Martinez from Destiny Church. And so when I say I come here, I'm honored to be able to be here on this stage and to be here on this platform because of his faithfulness and because of his goodness. And so with that being said, we're just going gonna to get into it. Is that all right? Can we get into it? I want to honor your time. I've been in this space and I've been praying because I, I normally when I preach, I don't do I don't do suitcase messages. OK, so suitcase messages are those messages where you're like, oh, look, I killed it the last church. So I'm just going to preach it 50 times the same message. Right. I believe that every single season that we're in, God has a fresh word, that God has a new word. And if you came here and you gave your time and you gave your your your, your effort to be in the presence of God, how many of y'all know y'all wouldn't show up to a restaurant with old food? Some of y'all ain't said nothing, so I take it, y'all don't go out to lunch with them at all. <laughs> but I, I, I've been a pastor and senior pastor, executive pastor, you name it, every area of ministry. And, and uh, before I do it, my team always gets on my head. You guys, I'm excited because I brought with me some books. Uh, this is my latest book called Buy the Dang Coffee, One Sip. Is worth the risk. And I, you'll hear some points that I bring out of this, but this was talking about a moment in my life, um, and you'll hear it in my testimony, but I had just gotten out of prison. Life was crazy. I had these big dreams that didn't know how they were going to come to pass because of my past. And so I wrote the best principle. You see, it's real short because it's a brother's attention span right there. <laughs> but this is your espresso shot. When you read it, you'll read it over and over and over again as a devotional. But I also 
got and brought you guys God morning. This is my 31 day prayer devotional and declaration. And so these are 31 days of prayers that you get to speak over your life, over your family, over your business. And it breaks it down. So I brought some of those. Um, I think they're, the book is, uh, the book is 15. And then the, um, this is 10. If you buy them both, they're 20 bucks. So they have them back to you guys. Make sure you get those. You're going to hear me reference to that. And the principles I wanted to give you guys something beyond me preaching. And so I have 26 minutes and 12 seconds. And I want to be able to honor this time and be able to honor this place with you. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 49. I'm going to read out of the NIV version, Isaiah 49, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2 starting off, and then we'll get into it. And it reads like this. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Now, when I heard this, I I started shaking because I was in Florida ministering out there. And when the verse hit me, I was listening to my Maverick City worship. And I was listening to that song, Wait. If y'all ain't never heard that song, that song, Have You Lit? And there's a part where it's like, that's what happens when you wait. And I'm like, yeah, I'm screaming. And I see this verse, and as I'm in this verse, my heart starts racing. And the Lord gave me a message, and I'll give the premise of the message. But the message is called, called in the quiver. Called in the quiver. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I pray that in these 24 minutes and 50 seconds, that you would give me something to help impart into their lives that would change them like never before. I thank you, God, that your words would be etched on their hearts like tattoos. Father, we stand here in anticipation. I stand here as a pin in the hand of a ready writer. Would you simply just use me? Let them not see me. Let them see you through me. I'm simply a conduit. Show up, show out, and rock our world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so if y'all know anything, I don't know if y'all notice this, but I'm a brother. Okay, and so how we work and where I'm from, there's a couple of things that we love, and that's called call and response. I know Pastor talked about it a little bit, but I want to let you know that if something is good and it hits you, you can say amen. Amen. If something's really good, you can say preach, preacher. And then when it's like really, really good, you can do what we call a stank face where you're just like, "Mm, mm, mm." (laughs) either way, we're going to take them all. But let me tell you why we do it. The reason why you do it is because the moment that you acknowledge something and make an outward movement or an affirmation, you are affirming your spirit that that word that was spoken is for me. This is why we amen, because when you amen, you're saying, God, that word is for me. God, that quote is for me. God, that saying is for me. God, that scripture is for me. So when you say an amen or a mm or preach or mm, 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 you are affirming to your spirit that that word is for me. So I'm a storyteller, and I love to tell stories. And I, it took me, when I read this, it took me back to the place of school. And if you guys know the elementary schoolyard, I mean, it's, it's rough. You, you can't be soft on the elementary schoolyard, especially when it came to P.E. or recess. Have y'all ever been into a place where it's basketball time, and you come out and you're ready to play basketball, or maybe it was dodgeball, four square. I mean, I'm not going to judge, wherever your sport was. And you're sitting there, and they got to pick teams. And so when it comes to big teams, you stand there, you lined up, you're like, man, I got my Nikes on. Other kids, I mean, I got my Reeboks pumps. You're pumping the Reeboks up. You ready for the game? You ready to play? You in this moment, you're like, okay, God, I'm ready. And they start picking people. I'll take you. Okay, that's cool. I mean, he all right. He a little faster. 
I'll pick you. Okay, he got long arms, so I guess that makes sense. And then they, they, I'll pick you. By the third person, you start sweating a little bit, so you step forward a little bit. Like, y'all, y'all see me? Y'all, y'all, y'all see me? You see the, you didn't hear the pump. Like, I'm, re- I'm ready for this. And the millers, they start picking down the line, and all of a sudden, they start picking people like, come on, I know I'm better than them. Look, look Jesus, I love you, but him? And you're in this place where you're like, I'm ready for the game. I'm ready to get called. And then you get passed over. Have you ever been in class where the teacher was like, all right, if you answer this question first, you get to go out to recess first. And so they get ready to call your name. And she asks a question. There's always that one person who got the quickest hands you've ever seen. Y'all. And, they, and you over there like, oh, me, me, me. And she's like, ah. Ain't nobody else hand raised in the class. You're like, me, me, ah. Steven. You're like, what? Come on, Steven. And you have your hand up. You're anticipating. You're wanting it. You're wanting to be chosen. And yet you're the last one out of the classroom. Have you ever been in a place in life where you say, God, if you would just use me. God, if you could just bless my company. God, if you give me a husband, if you give me a wife. Oh, man. God, if you would just give me a baby. God, do you see me? You, you see what I'm doing? God, I'm ready to be picked. I'm ready to be used. I'm ready for my purpose. I'm ready for my calling. Have you ever been in a place where you said, God, use me only to feel like you've been overlooked? Today, I, I, I didn't come here just to crack jokes, but I came to talk to some people that have a feeling that God is calling you somewhere, but you feel like you're stuck in a cramped place. In Isaiah 49, the text opens up with the prophet Isaiah, but this text is almost certain. It's almost confusing because on one end, you're like, is this Isaiah speaking? But then the scholars and the theologian would allow you to know that it's almost a prophetic scripture where it's actually prophetically talking about the Messiah Jesus that's to come. And in this text, you feel this dichotomy, you feel this frustration of this man having this dialogue. And even in some tenses, you see that Jesus is having this conversation with God. And, and, I, and apart from me being a pastor and, and having multiple businesses and different things like that, I'm also a coach. And, and being a coach, I deal with the psyche and the identity and, and deal with companies and things like this. And, and so today, in these next minutes, will you allow me to just show you how to coach yourself in a place where you feel called, but you're in a quiver. Well, what is a quiver? I'm so glad you asked. I tried to get one, but they wouldn't give one to a brother. I don't know why. <laughs> I went to a Dick Sporting Goods. I was like, yo, I'm looking for some arrows. I'm looking for a quiver. They were like, do you have a bow? I said, no, but I'm looking for some arrows. Ah, oh, we don't have any. <laughs> a quiver is the case in which somebody who's in archery keeps the arrows. Sometimes it's it's right. It's mostly across the, 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 the chest and they use it to pull out an arrow. And as they pull it out, they use it to knock the arrow in and then they they release it. And so this is a place where he's talking about this quiver. He's talking about this place. And and when you're in a space where you're wanting God to use you for something big, I want to give you five points that are going to bless your life and help you when you feel like you're caught in a place. And the first thing that I want you to understand when you're coaching yourself, there's some things you need to remind yourself. And the first thing is, is he knows my name. When you're in a quiver, when you're in a tight spot, the first thing that I want you to understand is that he knows my name. Look at Isaiah 49 verse 1. It says, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nation. Before I was born, the Lord called me. Who called him? 
the Lord called me. Now, I want, you to keep, I want you to keep that in your mind. And as the Lord called me, he said, from my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Yeah. One of the first things you got to understand that when everybody else around you calls you outside of your name or doesn't call your name at all, God first called your name. Yeah. It says, before I was even in my mother's womb, God, you called my name. Do you know what that means? That means that if you had a mother or father that never spoke life into you, how many of you guys have been in a situation where you got some daddy issues or some mommy issues, some family issues? We've all been there. And oftentimes there are people around us that we've allowed to call us names and we've embraced that identity. But this scripture gives you so much freedom because he says, before I was even born in the womb, God called my name. That means it doesn't matter what anybody else called you. It doesn't matter what your teacher spoke about you. It doesn't matter what that officer said about you. It doesn't matter what that uncle or that aunt said about you. When you understand who called your name, it changes the game. Somebody say, he called my name. And the challenge for most of us is similar to Jacob, who was in the Bible. Most people will call you how they found you. See, people will call you a name based on how, you, how they found you, not knowing the backstory of what happened. And if you allow their identity that they've placed on you to carry on, you will walk around with an identity living out something that is not who you are. In this moment, it's important for you to understand that he knows your name so that it doesn't matter what happens, you're not overlooked. The second thing that I want you to understand, and I'm just warming up laying this groundwork for you guys so you understand that, is that in this text, I also want you to know that you got to remind yourself that there is weight in my words. There's weight in my words. Look at what the text says. I love this. I love that. I'm just going down the text so y'all know I'm not making this up. He says, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. I'm going to stop right there. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. So mind you, this is Isaiah and this is Jesus speaking. And as he's speaking about his mouth and he's talking about it being a sharpened sword, what he's simply saying is my mouth is the greatest weapon that I, that I possess. The words that I speak carry so much weight that they can change things like that. Your words have the ability to speak something into existence. Your words have the ability to speak another thing into existence. And I looked at that. If God made the world with his words, what world are you making with yours? If words carry weight, then what type of weight are you putting on your life? Because there's weight that holds you down and there's weights that build you up. And one of the words that you use, whatever word you're speaking over your marriage or over yourself, over your situation, over your children, if you don't understand your words carry weight, you'll find yourself defeating yourself before you're even called. How do you know that? Well, I remember I wasn't always saved. And when my wife and I got married, we went through hell for the first five years of our marriage. I'm talking like it was World War III. You get home, you put on the boots, the face mask, you put. <laughs> and I remember I was acting like a knucklehead. I remember I was wild and I was out there like I was not this saved person that you see on this stage. And I remember that she would keep speaking life over me and she would keep declaring things over me that I wasn't living in that moment. And I asked her the question. I said, baby, why did you marry me? She said, because when God tells you something, he doesn't change his mind. 
And so I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's cute. But I was like, what's the real reason? And then I learned one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned about marriage and about life. Ladies, hear me when I tell you this. Inside of every man is a fool and a king. And whichever one you address is the one that comes out. I'll say it again. Inside of every man is a fool and a king. And whichever one you address is the one that comes out. In other words, Nadia, my wife, kept building me up and speaking things into my life that even when I wasn't being, that her words carried weight over my life. And she would call me as a man that she saw, and she would say, man, God, you're going to use my husband for great things. And God, I thank you for him being a great father. And the more she would speak that over my life, the more I began to show attributes of that in my life. And if you're in the medical field, I would almost liken it to like a hypochondriac. A hypochondriac, if you all don't know, it's somebody who believes they have a sickness so much so that they start speaking it that although they don't have symptoms at first, they start showing symptoms. So when you're walking in this walk of faith and you're saying, God, I want you to use me. The greatest gift that you can get is this hypochondriac mindset in that reversed way. To where even though you don't see the outcome that God has promised you in that moment, you start speaking it over your children, speaking it over your business, speaking it over your life, speaking it over everyone around you. And before you know it, you'll start seeing symptoms of the thing that you're asking God for. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get warmed up and just give y'all a little something because I'm trying to break some stuff off of your minds that the enemy has gotten you to believe while you've been locked down in COVID. It, He's attacked the mindset. He's, he's attacked your faith. He's attacked your belief. God, if you're so good, then why is this happening? Could I submit to you that maybe he didn't do this because he's just upset and all of these things? Could it possibly be that he positioned us to be in a quiver? He positioned you to be in a place that you couldn't even imagine. And, 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 and looking at all of this and, and looking at all of these different things, I love how even when he says that my words carry weight, it lets you know that when everybody else is trying to use weapons, he understood, Jesus understood, I could use my words and change things. The third thing that I want you guys to understand in this text, and this is the one that, 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 that hit me the hardest, is when you're in a moment where you feel like you're in a quiver, the question is, is can you be obedient in obscurity? Can you be obedient in obscurity? I want you to look at the text because this is Jesus. Now, I want you to tell you this is Jesus speaking this message. He says, you made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He concealed me in his quiver. He, he had me in his hand and he was polishing me while I was in his hand and, and it seemed like it was dark because there was a shadow but I didn't understand that he didn't just cover me up. He didn't look me over. He was polishing me in his in his hand. And the real question and the tension when you're pursuing something that God wants you to pursue is can you be obedient and obscurity? Jesus knew he was called to greatness from the moment he was born. But for 30 years, he was overlooked. He knew he had something inside of him that would change this world because it was spoken before he was born. But for 30 years, he was overlooked. My man had the juice. 
But for 30 years, he was overlooked. You had the qualifications. But for years, you've been overlooked. You have the better product. But for years, you've been overlooked. You've been sacrificing in your marriage. But for years, it seems like you're overlooked. You've been sacrificing for your children. And for years, it seems like you've been overlooked. Can you be obedient in obscurity? It is the tension of knowing that God has you in this place where it's the limbo. It's the place in between. Has anybody been in a place in between? Where you're not where God wants you to be, but you're not quite where you used to be. You just stuck in the middle. Y'all ain't going to talk to me, huh? The place where you're like, God, I've come so far, but God, I'm not where I am. And I'm in the middle and I just want to give up. And I'm reading my scripture, but nothing's happening. And I'm talking about increase like Pastor talked about. And nothing's happening. And I'm doing the Hillsong Hop and nothing's happening. And I'm listening to Maverick City and nothing's happening. I'm just. I've been speaking scriptures over my children and they're still wilding out. I'm just stuck. I wake up and I'm tithing and I'm giving and I'm expecting an increase like pastor said, but I'm just stuck. The tension in your breakthrough always happens in obscurity. You question yourself in obscurity. You question your ability as a husband, as a father, as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend, as a boss, as a leader in obscurity because you say to yourself, God, if I'm so good and God, if you love me, how come you're not using me? Pick me. Pick me. But I'm stuck. See, 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 I I wanted you to get this because he said to this, he says, you hid me. In your hand. You hid me in your hand. But not only did you hide me in your hand, you were polishing me while you were doing it. Now, if you don't understand archery, this text wouldn't really make sense. Did you just want a shiny guy? Did you want it blinging? Did you want it dripping? Like, why did you want But if you understand archery, when you have a new arrow, they have to send the arrow down to make sure that it's straight. Because if an arrow is not straight, when it's knocked and it's released, it will go into a direction that is opposite of where the target is supposed to go. Hold on, I'm going to get this for y'all. And what happens in the season of obscurity is not that God is overlooking you. He's polishing you up so that when he shoots you, you go to the place that he's called you to go. Oh, y'all don't hear me, Lighthouse. You thought that God had you covered. You thought that God had forgotten about you, but you don't understand that you've been in the quiver the whole time. He's been polishing you the whole time. See, there's certain things that you don't understand. There's certain fights you didn't know you had until you forced to fight. There's certain faith that you didn't know you had until you had to exercise that faith. Can you be trusted in obscurity? Pastor Jeff, you always seem so passionate about that. Why are you, why are you shouting? Why are you yelling? Why are you talking so loud? It's because when I signed on the dotted line, 
for 16 years in life in prison for six armed robberies and attempted murder. Every dream that I had was done. I signed the paper and I was in the largest race ride that had ever happened in L.A. County. I got on my knees and I said, God, I'm done running. Whatever it is you have for me, whatever you want for me, I'm done running. But I just need you to use me. And, and God says, I just need you to be obedient and listen to my word. Obscurity. Lockdown 24 hours a day. Still preaching God's word to whoever would listen. Obscurity. They moved me when they moved me to Chino State Prison. I was in solitary confinement for three months in pitch black. They took everything from me except my Bible, the biggest mistake the devil could have ever made. The only light that I had was a sliver of light from above, and I don't know where it came from. And there's scars on my cheek from me jamming my face against the concrete to read his word so I could get it in my spirit. And I said, God, if you said it, I believe it, and that settles it. So I'm going to be obedient in obscurity. And I preached and I preached and I declared and I preached and I declared and the riots came and the rival gangs tried to cut my neck open with a razor blade. But I still preached and I still shouted and I still believed because I said, God, if you can use me in obscurity, I know you'll bring me to opulence. And sometimes we forget that God is polishing us in his hand. Because a blessing too soon is not a blessing at all. So God had to make sure that my character was intact. God had to make sure that I didn't love this stage more than I loved him. He taught me that before you come up to preach, you better have an amen in your spirit before you look from an amen from somebody else. I had to get to a place in my life that I knew that if God gave me a title and God gave me a name, it didn't matter who was in front of me. It could have been Uncle T.D. Jakes. It could have been Joe Olsen. It could have been, I don't get Moses. <laughs> and I would have stayed true to who God has called me to be because he formed me in obscurity. He formed me in a dark place. He formed me in a hard place. He encouraged me in a rough place. And I was at a place in my life where God says, son, can you be obedient in obscurity like Jesus? Jesus said, God, I've been obedient. I've been in obscurity. Nobody sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees the work that I'm doing. And this is what he says in this moment. He says, you concealed me. And God says, no, you're my servant. I'm going to display my honor. And look at what the text says. He says, but I said to him, I have labored in vain. I spent all my strength for nothing at all. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you were just struggling? You spent all your faith, all of your fight, all of your obedience, and you've seen no fruit? All of the things that God asked you to do, you did it. All of the things that God promised, hey, if you just do this, then I'm going to bless you, and you did it. All the things that he asked of you and required of you, you did it, and yet there is no fruit. Jesus is prophetically speaking, and he's saying, I've done everything, and I've tried to let these Gentiles know. I told these disciples, Peter's tripping. I'm looking at Judas. He's a snake. Like, God, I've done everything. Where is the fruit for my labor? Have you ever said, God, pick me? But you question God and say, God, where is the fruit of my labor? 
I have no fruit for what I've done. No harvest for my seeds. God, when are you going to pick me? But there was something in this test that I want you to understand. It's just because you're concealed doesn't mean that you're not called. He says, you concealed me in the quiver. Which means that the joy that you get to have is knowing that God placed you in a quiver. The joy that you get to have is knowing that God never places anything in a quiver that he doesn't expect to shoot. God doesn't put anything inside that he's not about to intentionally launch somewhere that you can't even imagine where he's taking you. God says, I've got you in the quiver. Quit tripping. That's the NIV version, the Negro International version. (laughs) Quit tripping. You're here, aren't you? Quit tripping. Look at what I did. Quit tripping. The only reason why you're facing a new problem is because I got you past an old problem you didn't think you were going to get through. Stop tripping. And in this text, Jesus is saying, God, where are you at? God, why aren't you moving? God, why can't I feel you? God, where are you? What's going on? And then he checks himself because he understood the fourth point, that he understood that it's in his hands. What do you mean? Look at this. Look at I got one more point after this and I'm done. He says, I've done all of these things and I labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. But look how Jesus strengthens himself. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And my reward is with my God. What is due me is in his hands. And my reward is is with my God. When you talk about increase and you're trying to understand increase, it is the moment that while you're in the quiver and you're concealed in the quiver that you understand that what God has for you in your life comes from him and nobody else. It is the moment that you understood that if God placed his hand on you, your reward doesn't come from anybody else. It doesn't matter what your mama said. It doesn't matter what your daddy says. It doesn't matter what your past says. When God has a gift and a blessing, oh my God. When God has a gifting and a blessing for you, it's not in anybody else's hand but his own. If somebody got this, you'd be delivered from people pleasing. Because when we people please, we've made man our source instead of God. So if I don't do what they want me to do, then maybe uh, I'm not going to get what they have. And, and you're dangling. People are dangling carrots in front of your face. And they're dangling carrots in front of you if you act this way. And if you do these things, then I'll give you this. They ain't got the right to give you nothing that God hasn't released. So when you understand that it's in his hands, you don't have to please man. Oh, that was good with 15 O's. When you understand that it's in his hand, you won't seek to please man. Because he says, my reward is with my God. And you're not my God. Last time I checked, you didn't put air in my lungs. Last time I checked, you didn't make sure that all my body parts were in the right place and I was functioning the right way. And so if you didn't create me, you don't have the ability to destroy me. That's right. That's so good. Come on. Come on. And this is the tension that you have to lay in of understanding that it's in 
his hands. His reward is in his hands. Your reward is in his hands. Your breakthrough is in his hands. Everything that you ask for, it's in his hands. Everything that you need, it's in his hands. I don't know if you heard me in the back, but it's in his hands. I don't know if you heard me on the side, but it's in his hands. I see y'all back there. It's in his hands. You don't need nobody else to try to tell you what you can do because it's in his hands. Somebody say it's in his hands. It's in his hands. Everything that you need, it's in his hands. Everything you desire, it's in his hands. The home you've been praying for, it's in his hands. The breakthrough in your marriage, it's in his hands. The healing for your family, it's in his hands. Because he says, God, you sharpened me and you concealed me, but I know that I'm in your hands and the blessing's in your hands. So when you choose to release it, you release both. That's freedom. Because then you get to be who you are unapologetically, knowing that nobody else has the de determining factor of where you go in life. You want to get tatted? Get tatted. You want to rock your clothes? Rock your clothes. You want to be swagging your glasses like Jimmy? Then go ahead and bless you like that. You want to bleach your hair? Hey, I bleach my hair brown. But when you know what God has for you is for you, you don't need to try to be anything for anybody else. That's freedom. Did you hear me? That's freedom. It took me 20 plus years to understand that what God has for me is for me. It took me 20 years for me to like myself. It took me 20 years to make decisions and choices for myself because I understood that you could still be a high capacity leader and still have the disease to please. But when you understand that the blessing is in his hands, it frees you up. So the only thing we need to do is honor him. And when you honor him, he will give you what he's promised you because our God is faithful. And this is my last point. And I'm going to close out. Y'all can have somebody come up here and make me sound holy on these keys or drums or guitars or something. I learned one of the biggest lessons of my life is that when I was in prison, I learned how to be obedient in obscurity. Similar to how your pastors had to learn how to be obedient in a parking lot. Being obedient in the middle of COVID. Being obedient to give you guys a word when there was nobody to shout them down, nobody to amen them, nobody to see where they were crying. Y'all don't even know the hassle that they had to go through to try to navigate this because pastors all over the world didn't know how to do it. But yet you were obedient in obscurity. You're obedient with what you had. I tell people this excellence isn't perfection. It's doing the best with what you have. And when you're coming into a place of you wanting what God has for you, it is not being perfect. It's doing the best with what God gave you. Because I remember I'd be in the middle of this floor, and, and I'll say this, and this is my last point. I, I was in the floor, and I remember I would come to God in my prayer every morning. I would wake up at 4 a.m., and I had nothing, and I had no money, and I had nothing to give him. And I felt low because I'm looking at my sins every time I look at the bars when I woke up every single morning. And I said to God, I know I messed up. God, I know I'm not perfect, but God, if you could just use me, I would do something. And I, 
I used to sing this song, and I, I, I'm probably not going to do it justice, but this one little song used to just bless me, and I used to be like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy. And let it be us, sweet sound in your ears. And I would sing this. And I would say, God, if I can just give this to you. And I know I'm in prison. And I know I'm on a level four yard. And I know I signed for 16 years of life and I'll never see the light of day is what they're telling me. But God, I know that I'm cold even though I'm in a quiver. God, I know I messed up, but you're God that can turn things around. And God, if I'm just an open and a willing vessel, I know you will do great things through my life. And so 11 and a half months into my sentence, watch this, 11 and a half months into my sentence, they said, Mr. Osborne, roll it up. I said, where am I going? They said, you're going back up to court. I said, I'm going to court. What you mean? I think they're adding a gang allegation. They're adding more time. And I get into the court, and the judge looks at me and says, Mr. Osborne, upon reviewing your letter, and I said, what letter? They said, you got a letter on your behalf from the assistant warden of Chino State Prison. I never saw him, never met him, never shook his hand. He said, this is a good young man who hit a bump in the road. Let him go. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think y'all heard me. He said, this is a good young man who hit a bump in the road. Let him go. Let him go. And God sent this chocolate brother all the way out here to San Diego to tell you I don't care what prison you're in. I don't care what you're facing. The same God that broke me out of my prison is going to break you out your life. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Because what God has called, no man can hold back. Let them go. Let them go. You're in the quiver. Don't trip. God knows you're there. Don't worry. God's got you. But I want to let you know something. That even though you're walking and you're calling and you start getting blessed, I want to give you this last and final point. You got to understand something. That you'll be despised, but God will restore honor. When you start walking in your calling, you'll be despised. When people see you walking in your identity and realize they can't manipulate you anymore, you'll be despised. When you start standing for your family, you'll be despised. When your business starts getting blessed, you'll be despised. Pastors, when your church starts exploding, you'll be despised. And I love that even though you're despised, God says, I will always restore honor. Well, prove it, Pastor Jeff, in the scripture. I'm so glad you told me this. Here it is. Last verse. Isaiah 49 verse 7 says this. This 
is what the Lord says, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nations, to the servant of rulers. You've been serving that person and you've watched them succeed only at your demise. You've been keeping your heart right when everybody else is doing deceitful things. You've been keeping a heart of a servant when you've been serving a tyrant. He says to the servant of the rulers, watch what he says this. He said, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen To the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. It's going to take a minute to get in your spirit. To the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. To the Holy One of Israel who has chosen. You have been chosen. You have been hand-selected. You have been chosen a good place in God's quiver where he's going to use you for something. And Jesus said it was for an appointed time. Can I let you know that when it's an appointed time, it means it's a scheduled time. That means that God has a scheduled time for when you're coming out of your quiver. Oh. Did you hear what I just said? There's an appointed time. There's an appointed time. There's an appointed time. There's an appointed time. There is an appointed time. There is an appointed time when God is going to pull you out of your quiver because he chose you. And when I got out, people used to look at me and call me all types of names, pastors. What makes you think God's going to use you? You got kicked out of seminary. How are you going to be a pastor? How are you going to preach? You got tattoos. A brother travels, I can't even get TSA pre-check. How is God going to use you? Look at your past. How is God going to change your marriage? How is God going to make you a better father than the one you had? Look at you. I'll give you this secret. There are two degrees of faith. You have first degree faith and you have second degree faith. First degree faith is preventive faith. It's a prayer that we pray, God, protect us as we drive. Keep all bad drivers around us, away from us. Thank you, God. I pray that as I go into this house, my wife isn't going to beat my head over because I did this or did that. Lord, thank you, God, for protecting my children so I don't lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that when I go into this business meeting that you got your favor all around me. That's preventive faith. That's first degree faith. But then there's a second realm of faith that's resurrection faith. And the second resurrection faith is redeeming faith. And this type of faith is the faith that says, even though, even now. Martha, when Lazarus died, she said, Jesus, if you would have come quicker, my brother would still be alive. But even now. But even now, I know you can do it. I understand that what happened then, but even now, I can do it. Even though this situation happened, even now, you can change it around. Even though they overlooked me for my job, even now, you can turn it around. Even though they diagnosed me, even now, you can heal me. Even though I went through this problem, even now, you can build me. Even now, even now, even now. 
It's an even now faith. Even though COVID hit me, even now you'll build me. That's a resurrection faith. I said, God, even though I was sentenced to 16 years to life in prison, even now you can turn it around. Even though I got kicked out of seminary, even now you can use this chocolate brother to preach to somebody. Even though I used to preach to Mickey and Minnie Mouse, true story, when nobody else would hear me preach when I would hold these Bible studies, I preached and I promise you they got saved. Because until, see that's Jesus calling me right now. Even though the world has said something about you, even now, God can do something new in your life. But everybody please stand to your feet. God is in a place where he's about to bless you with an even now blessing. And this is not the, the, the give a, a gift of $999, you're going to get a blessing in 999 seconds. This ain't none of that. I ain't asking you for your money. I'm not asking you for anything. But there is an even now anointing that is in this place right now. Your pastors have just prayed over and came out of a series of increase where you guys got to soak in the presence of God. It was an even now moment. And I don't know what you're faced with. I don't know what they told you. I don't know what your marriage has looked like. I don't know what your record says. I don't know what your track record says. But even now, God will turn it around because of your faithfulness. When you call things out of people and saw things that nobody saw, God says, even now I will do something new in your life. Even now I'll give you a fresh word. Even now I'll break your family into a place of opulence. Even now I'll restore what the enemy has tried to get. It's an even now. So here's what I want you to do. It's your even now moment. Even though your life was this, even now God can give you a new beginning. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, even though you went this way, even now God can change you. You look at me like, man, God, we talked about this yesterday. Jimmy talked about, man, if God could use you, dang, I know there's a God. Hey, look at me like, God use you? Oh, I'm in. Like, you're just... I'm probably not the most eloquent speaker, not the most theological speaker, but I just said, God, if you give me a word, I'm just going to preach it how I feel it and how I received it. And I will never preach something to you that I myself have not had to live in my life. But I'll tell you that I believe in the God that called me in a quiver. And even though you're in this place, he's chosen you. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you say, man, if what this chocolate ball brother is saying is true, if this Jesus can really do this for his marriage and for his children and for his life and for his company and for his business, then maybe I should listen to it. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the same God that broke me from my prison will break you from your prison, whether that's mentally, whether that's physically, whether that's spiritually, whether that's financially. Maybe it's a prison of depression or anxiety. I attempted suicide and drove my car towards a pole at 60 miles an hour, and God saved my life. I know what it feels like that God will meet you right where you're at. So on the count of three, I want you just to lift your hands if you're ready for an even now moment of salvation. One, two, three. I need Jesus. Let me see those hands. Beautiful. I see those hands. 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 Beautiful. 
I want you to keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Now, if you're in this place and you say, man, Pastor Jeff, I've been living kind of reckless right now. But I know that there's an even now moment that even now I'm going to rededicate my life. And you need to rededicate your life. I want you to lift your hands. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I got to get my priorities straight. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. It's a refocusing. And then lastly, you guys put your hands down. Last time I'm going to ask everybody to lift your hands in the air right now. Lift your hands in the air. Come on, everybody. everybody. Don't try to look cute. Lift your hands in the air. I'm going to pray an even now blessing over you. That God would bless you. That even though the enemy says something, there's an even now anointing to break you out. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless them exponentially. Father, I thank you that even though the enemy said this, even now you will do a new work, Lord. That even though they have been given, uh, uh, some of them have been given diagnoses and some of them have been given these reports, that God, even though they receive what they receive, that even now you would break them out. I break all fear off of their life. I thank you, God, that you've placed them in a position where they can understand that you've called them by their name, that their words carry weight, that they can be obedient when they're in obscurity, that, Father, every blessing is in your hands and most importantly, even though they've been despised, that you will restore honor to their life right now. So I bless them like never before in Jesus' name. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.